It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My Michelle Live, Health Watch. She's writing a prescription for hope. Here's Michelle. Hey, glad to have you as part of My Michelle Live today, Health Watch. Guess what? The Center for Disease Control have a panel that unanimously, very recently, endorsed COVID vaccines for children as young as six months old. That was supporting recommendations earlier in the week from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. And so we go with the narrative. They say it's safe, it's effective, and you can just put them right into your sweet little baby's bodies and it's not going to be a problem. But when we're not allowed to talk about such things or any concerns, you've got to wonder, before you stick that needle into your own child, what are things that that are not being talked about? Before you jab your child, is anyone asking these tough questions or giving effective answers? And I say, yes, indeed. Our guest today says, hold the phone. Let's talk about this. Dr. Syed Hader is a doctor with over 10 years experience in internal medicine. And since December of 2020, he's treated thousands of COVID-19 patients. We're going to talk about how and how it might benefit you. He's also worked with vaccine-injured patients. Those people we're not allowed to talk about, unless you're listening here. And doctor, I am delighted that you're here today. I'm delighted that you are willing to talk because it is very difficult. And a lot of the friends that I have that are in the medical industry have had to weigh, do I want to keep my practice? Do I want to have the ire of the government and maybe my license removed because I am using my expertise to communicate ideas that go against government thinking? You're brave. Yeah, I actually know people myself, physician friends who tell me that they wouldn't take the shot, they wouldn't give it to their kids, but If patients ask them about it, they just say, all I can say is go look at the CDC and the FDA website for information. Like they they feel like their hands are tied and that exactly as you said, that they may lose their license. And so people, they, I don't know, so far, a few people in the United States have lost their licenses for speaking out about COVID vaccines. Thank God I haven't gotten to that point yet. I have had five medical board complaints in the last 12 months after 13 years with no, no, never a medical board complaint in my entire career. And they were all these ridiculous things about why are you using ivermectin? But ivermectin is for off-label treatment of COVID-19 and vaccine injuries and long-haul COVID is less of a touchy subject than the vaccines. Those are like the third rail in modern medicine. You touch that and that can be a career ender, especially if you're plugged into the bigger medical system. So I think I may have so far I've been flying under the radar primarily because I'm independent. I'm working with patients online and not working in a hospital. There's no administration overseeing what I'm doing. But if there was, those kind of doctors have a choice to make. Either they continue in their job or they or they leave and work on their own somewhere and set up their own practice. And for some people, that's it's difficult to do. I think more people need to do it. Certainly, I'm just shocked that so few of my colleagues have come forward and spoken. There, there is a handful that I can think of, really, who are really coming out and talking about it. And it is really important, especially around vaccines, because right now, the only emergency we have in this country is the push to vaccinate. It's not COVID. COVID, especially if we're 
children is like a boogeyman, right? It's like a monster under the bed. It doesn't exist. It's not real. It's not a real threat is what I mean. And so it doesn't harm children. It doesn't kill children. Omicron, I don't think, has killed a single child in America so far. I can understand that people were frightened for the last two years. The mainstream media really overdid it with the fear porn 24-7 all day long for two years straight almost. And so a lot of people, I think, have lost their ability to reason around this, even physicians, even the people on the FDA panel. I don't think they're thinking clearly. It just doesn't make any sense. And then when you look at the study Mm -hmm. itself, the study, I think it's just garbage, right? It's hard to come up with a word that describes it adequately, and garbage is the best thing I can think of. It's not really scientific. There's just so many problems with it, and we can get into that, but let me know which way you want to go. Because, oh boy, there's so um, much to There's get so to. much to be said about this. There really this, is. The study and the vaccines. First of all, I'd like to talk about the vaccine itself, and then we'll get into some of the issues that we need to talk about where our kids are concerned. Just recently, we found that the virus itself, according to the CD, boosters have no health benefit for adults 18 to 49. And it leaves us susceptible to vaccine injury for no reason. Their measure of vaccine efficacy, now get this, is 14.5% after seven days, seven days after the second dose, 14%. How is that really effective? Yeah, so uh, certainly not effective. So if we're talking about the children's trial, they showed efficacy after the first dose and the second dose and after the third dose because they had to make a third dose. So they actually did, they planned on two doses, Pfizer, and after two doses, they said, okay, we're done. Let's wrap it up and let's go through the data. And they were just sure that it was going to show efficacy. They realized after basically unblinding the trial, normally you'll have a randomized. So you take a group of people, you randomize them into group A, group B, you're going to give group A the vaccine, you're going to give group B the placebo. So that's, those are like random choices who goes into which group. And then, so it's a randomized controlled trial and double blind usually. So the patients don't know which group they're in and the people People administering the drug or the placebo also don't know which drug, whether it's drug or placebo that they're administering and which group that they're administering it to. No one's aware of who's who and what's what. And so it was unblinded. So the patients knew which group they had been in. The doctors knew what they were giving and which groups had gotten what. The placebo group actually started being vaccinated after the second dose. The babies, the kids started to get vaccinated. And then suddenly they realized that it was actually, there was actually negative efficacy, right? It certainly didn't reach the 50%. And so then they decide we need to enroll some more kids. They enrolled another 600 plus children and we have to do a third dose now. So at that point, the trial was basically a mess. It just turned into this, it's a snafu. It's like something they should have just abandoned and started over from scratch, but they decided to just try to salvage it. Really, it was unsalvageable and it was not actually salvaged they've put out they have this appearance that that they came up with something significant if you look at the results so all the efficacy results are reported as point estimates so what that means is there's a range of where the number actually falls in reality so their efficacy for example seven days after the third dose is being reported as 80% first of all it's a trial of less than 5000 babies and children and And there were over 300 COVID cases during the trial. So after the first dose, some people in both groups got COVID. After the second dose, some people in both 
groups got COVID. And then after the third dose, only 10 more children got COVID after the third dose. They're saying in this imaginary la-la land, maybe you can just go straight from no doses all the way to three. And then let's just look at the third dose and what the quote-unquote efficacy is. (laughs) So they say it's 80% based on... 10 total cases. Now, forgive me, stupid, or are we saying we have a finite amount of people, kids, who were in this study, a bunch of them got sick, and then they take the rest and say, see, only a few people got sick. Is that what happened? Or am I just... Yeah, it doesn't really make sense, right? Because you can't skip the first and the second doses and just go straight to dose number three. So that in itself makes no sense. If dose one makes you more prone to getting it and dose two makes you more prone to getting it and only dose three supposedly protects you, no one, you can't just bypass the first two. It's already um, got but still, sick. You know, I mean, how even many... if you could, even if you could bypass and you go straight to three doses total, get them all at once. That estimate of 80%, the actual range of possible like values for that 80% number goes anywhere from negative 370% up to 99%. Most of that range is in the negative territory, which means that it's most likely actually increasing your risks of getting COVID. And that's the same for all the estimates after the first, second, and third dose. All the ranges, most of them are in the negative territory. And so this means that the trial is actually not statistically significant because you don't, you can't even say with confidence whether the true value for these efficacy numbers is positive or negative, right? Because it crosses zero. It's some of it's some of the range is negative, some of it's positive. I know it's a statistical thing. So this isn't actually how they got it approved because they couldn't, it couldn't be approved. So they moved the goalpost of, okay, it has to be at least 50% effective to get an EUA. They moved that, they just got rid of that whole idea and said, we're gonna approve this based on the fact that it created an antibody response. And then you look at, okay, how did they determine that? They came up, somehow they chose only 5% of the children to check antibodies in. First of all, that's the first big red flag. They don't explain how they chose which children to check the antibodies in. And then they compared the antibody response in that random sampling of 5% to the antibody response in another kind of random sample of adult trial participants. And again, they don't explain how they chose which random 5% of the adult trial participants to use to compare it. So there's so many red flags here, right? It's just completely unscientific. It's you're just like making up as you go along. It's just utterly ridiculous. Welcome to science of 2022. That's how we do science now. We make it up as we go along. It's based on feelings. Figures lie. Liars figure. Go figure. That's just the efficacy. And we haven't even gotten to some of the adverse effects that you need to take into consideration before you look at jabbing a needle into your baby's soft little pink skin or whatever color your baby happens to come in this the what we're finding now is that the vaccine itself people lambasting others because it's because of you unvaccinated that things are spreading now we're finding out that it is more more likely that it is because of these ineffective vaccines that not only the virus was able to spread but to mutate because it this vaccine didn't stop it. It just, the vaccine, the, it seems as though the coronavirus just had to make its way around these ineffective vaccines. And now we have a bigger problem. 
Yeah, absolutely. This is, as Gert Vandenbosch has been talking about, probably one of the most silly things that we could have ever done in the middle of a new viral outbreak is to try to vaccinate for it in the beginning, in the midst of that outbreak. So just based on simple immunology, he says that immune pressure of the vaccines is going to cause the vaccine to mutate to evade it. And so you're right. It may be the case and probably is that the the mutations were driven by the widespread vaccine program. And now the vaccines, I don't think they were ever really effective. If you look at the release trial data documents that Pfizer had to release, it was basically probably not effective even from the very start. But even if it had been, even if it was there are certain windows of time where it's effective around certain doses, it's certainly not effective now because the original strain is completely wiped out. It doesn't exist anymore. It's not, it can't spread. We have Omicron. And before that, we had Delta. And before that, a number of other strains had been spreading everywhere. So it certainly makes no sense to be using these. And to address what you were saying before, fine, we talked about efficacy. They're ineffective or maybe even negatively effective, but that's not the worst of it. The worst of it is the fact that it can kill you or disable you only the poster child for this is Maddie DeGray. Look her up if you don't, if you're not familiar with her name. 12 year old girl in the older age group of the Pfizer trial, basically disabled on a feeding tube, having seizures. I just, it's so heartbreaking to see the pictures of this. She was so healthy. She was just in perfect health before. And then afterwards, she's disabled. And they reported it in the trial as quote unquote functional abdominal pain, which means basically a tummy ache and there's no structural abnormality that we can find and it'll probably go away on its own. This was just dishonest. This was fraud, out and out fraud. So that begs the question, how much other fraud is there in these trials? What else are they covering up in terms of adverse effects for kids? Personally, I've seen scores of adults. I have treated hundreds of long haul and also vaccine injured adults. And I just saw another one today. I see them every single day. They're coming in new patients. This one had been a high functioning cardiologist. Now he's in a nursing home, unable to take care of himself, unable to get out of bed, unable to really talk and make sense. I mean, he's developed dementia. The dementia happened like soon after the vaccine. Then he's had a massive stroke, also probably caused by the vaccine. So just some terrible outcomes that I've seen. I've seen high, like, really high-performing CEO, competitive sports people, just completely disabled. You mentioned sports. After taking the vaccine. And some of them, the, the crazy thing is, it'll take them like a year to finally like figure out and make the connection that it was probably the vaccine. There's these blinders. Patients have blinders and then their physicians have blinders. Like you can't even imagine that it could have been the vaccine. Literally, it took some of these people a year to get around to finally realizing that I need to find somebody who has experience treating this and getting people better. You mentioned sports, and I report on sports, and it has been very disturbing in the last couple of years. The number of FIFA athletes, you have soccer players, they're running nonstop. So there's a big strain on the heart as it is, but I've never seen nearly 200 athletes and coaches that just suddenly have collapsed during games worldwide, A hundred, over 100 dead. And in most cases, it's myocarditis, pericarditis, um, this, uh, also blood clotting. And these people were vaccinated. Should we not be looking at that instead of saying, don't pay attention? If you're talking about this, you're part of the problem. And that's what we saw from the CDC, doctor, that their, their, their idea behind, let's just vaccinate all the kids. They say, this is a quote, there are many processes in place to ensure safety, including oversight from vaccine advisory groups, the FDA 
and the vaccine manufacturers, which to me sounds like the fox guarding the hen house, but that's just my opinion. But there are people that are saying we have these safety nets in place. This is America for crying out loud. So you are conspiracy theorists. You're looking for problems that are either not there or they're so minute in numbers and you are playing up these small numbers and making them big. If it bleeds, it leads in order to perpetuate your ideology. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, everyone's asleep at the wheel, okay, (laughs) at the FDA, the CDC, or they're just looking the other way. I don't, I can't explain. I don't know what's going through their minds, but you don't need to look any further than the vaccine adverse events reporting system. So far, we've had over 25,000 deaths reported after COVID vaccines. That's more than every other vaccine combined in human history, okay, by far, by a long, We've canceled vaccines for less, for much, much less. Yeah. And to put that in perspective, Harvard itself, they did a study showing that what's reported to VAERS mm. is probably 1% of what's actually happening. So we're talking about 25,000 turns into 250, 2.5 million. Okay. So 2.5 million possible deaths, just it boggles the mind, right? So most people I know think that it's not, you don't have to multiply it by a hundred, maybe by 40 or 50 or something, maybe 30, but still you get up to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of American lives lost possibly to the vaccines. And this is based on public information. And this is the the monitoring system that we have in place. That is the, that's the vaccine adverse events reporting system. And they just write them all. Everything in there is just written off as not being caused by the vaccine. We've never done that with any other vaccine. If, a, if somebody else, if somebody takes like a flu shot and then five minutes later, they're dead, it's considered to be caused by the vaccine. We should at least um, be looking into it. We should at least be looking into it and asking those hard questions. Otherwise, how are vaccines going to get better? We should be yeah, looking you, into you this. You would imagine that we would be doing autopsies, for example. There's no autopsies being done in America, as far as I know. There was one, there's a few series, case series done in Germany and other places around the world on people who died after vaccines. And these were by expert pathologists. They knew what they were looking for. And they found inflammation everywhere, unexplainable inflammation, unless you point to the vaccine. And, you know, they suspect, these top pathologists suspect anywhere from 30 to 90% of deaths post-vaccine are very strongly linked to being actually caused by the vaccine. So no one's actually studying it in the United States and in most countries around the world. And the reason is that you can't get funding to study it. You can't publish a paper that studies it if you find the wrong result, Hmm. right? You you won't have a career if you come up with the wrong result. So there's tremendous corruption. People are not going to give up their power. the The FDA is partly funded by vaccine manufacturers. The media is almost entirely funded by the vaccine manufacturers. The government also spent like a billion, more than a billion dollars to help propagandize the safety and effectiveness of the vaccines. This is something unprecedented. Okay. So I'm not saying that like modern medicine has been like this forever. There have been serious problems. These companies that we're trusting now with our lives are multiple felons. They've committed multiple felonies in the past. They've been fined to the tune of billions of dollars in the last 20 years and before that as well. Modern medicine has a string of like abject failures that took decades to correct. So things like thalidomide, right? This took way too long to catch and to fix. And we keep doing it over and over again. Vioxx, all these things from the past and from the recent past, not even really long time ago. And this is the worst that's ever happened. And it's it just 
blows everything out of the water, everything else out of the water. When you And when you think of the felons and the failure, just go ahead and hand over your sparkling, sweet, squealing little baby to them and say, okay, have your own way, buddy. What are we thinking as parents? And what are we ignoring? A big news story that brings to light just how ignorant we might be. Justin Bieber was was recently diagnosed with Ramsey-Hunt syndrome and had a, a neurological disorder, which you saw him asking for prayer online. His face was partially paralyzed. His wife also suffered a blood clot that moved to her brain. So she had stroke-like symptoms. For crying out loud, these are young, relatively young people having these problems that you usually don't see until someone's much more advanced and their body's starting to fall apart. But coincidentally, he's very much vaccinated. In fact, vaccinations were mandatory to attend his concert. Why aren't we looking at that connection? Because we have deaths on our hands that either closely or at least somehow may be related to the vaccine. We should know. And honestly, doctor, I don't, 25,000, 25 million, if it's just five people and you are mandating it, that blood is on your hands. Yeah, and that's a great point because in the past, it wouldn't take any more than 50 deaths from a vaccine to end the rollout of that vaccine. It would have been pulled already. Any In any sane culture or society, we would have pulled, and certainly not mandatory, right? Like, fine, if you want to play Russian roulette with your own life, go ahead, but you can't mandate that on somebody. So it, it just violates the Nuremberg Code. It violates all of medical ethics. You've just thrown everything out that we used to hold very dear. And talking about Justin Bieber and his wife, and other really high profile people who have developed vaccine injuries, they don't come out and say it, but it's pretty clear what's going on. Certainly these things should not be happening in young and healthy people. Obviously there's always going to be like some percent of just random diseases and illnesses that develop in somebody who seemed to be healthy, but the amount of them that we're seeing now and the amount of death that's happening in like in very young people in America today far outstrips anything that you would expect. And the death rates actually went up after the vaccine rollout. People who are pro-vaccine, they don't even know this fact, okay? They would assume, obviously, and they do all assume that deaths went down after the vaccines were rolled out because they're so effective. Death, the pandemic had been raging for a year, the worst of the pandemic, right? The original variant, it was raging everywhere for a year. And then we start vaccinating and we vaccinate 60, 70, 80% of people in some places and the death rates go up significantly, so significant that it's like a once in, I don't know, a thousand year occurrence. It's, it's more than you would ever expect to see in any population outside of a war. Okay, it's as, it's as if we've sent our children, our 18 year olds and our 20 year olds and our 30, 40, 50 year olds off to war, to a world war and wipe them out, killed millions of them. So, well, so the send, death rates are Let's way send off our the infants charts. now. Let's okay. go ahead and just... There's no other way to explain it. Let's go ahead and load up our toddlers and send them out to the front too then, because that's exactly what we're looking at as we roll out the vaccine without questioning, without being allowed to question, without being allowed to debate, without asking the hard questions, and without looking at the data that is not just... Uh, on the fringe, but actually put out by our own government. We can't even seem to start there. And as a doctor who's been working on the front lines of COVID, I 
thought perhaps you can address parents who we want to do what's best. You're not a bad parent because you want to get your kid vaccinated. Of course not. You want to do what's best. You want to protect your child. You do what you're told. There's a famous study that was done, a survey that was done of, of well, Democrats, for example, that were asked how many people who get COVID are hospitalized. And they thought it was well over 50%. But it was such a minute amount because of the propaganda, because of the way the way the media portrays this issue. I can't blame any of us parents who just want to do the right thing. But because we're not being allowed to hear more of the story, we're not making a real choice. And I'm hoping that maybe you could speak to parents today, doctor. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so important to realize that what the internet does is it herds you into this little echo chamber where all you hear is confirmation, right? It's all whatever you already believe, you hear it from everyone else that you see on the internet and all the websites you go to. This is These are algorithms that herd you down that path. And unfortunately, you're being like herded down the path to slaughter in some cases. So what you need to realize is you're not hearing the whole story and you're not getting all the facts. You're getting selective facts, right, presented to you. So I, I basically I'm begging people now at this point, because I'm at my wit's end, please go and try to break outside of that echo chamber, outside of that little bubble that you're in online. And even in your, you know, in your surroundings in the real world, right? The people that you always talk to, seek out other opinions and go look at Pierre Corey's Substack, look up Peter McCullough, look up Robert Malone, see what Luc Montagnier, the Nobel Prize winning virologist said about these vaccines likely killing everyone who took them within three years. Go and read some of these experts who they are you can't argue their expertise. Peter McCullough is one of the most published cardiologists on the planet. Okay. Paul Merrick, one of the most published critical care doctors on the planet. They're like at the very top of their fields, okay? No one has published more papers than Peter McCullough. It's just out, uh, incredible the amount of work that he's done on all kinds of things in cardiology. And I think Paul Merrick is the number two most published critical care physician on the planet today. Okay, so these are not just nobodies, right? These aren't like quacks coming out of the woodwork. These are our top doctors in the world who are warning people, don't take these things. Okay, so please go and read some of these. Spend a few days. Spend. This is your child's life and future, right? You will never forgive yourself if you don't spend at least 10 to 100 hours studying the topic in depth, okay? Go and find out what people, highly qualified, educated people are saying about this before you choose to give it to your baby. And look, just go and find the facts that you're not being shown. What is the actual risk your child will suffer any irreparable damage from COVID, it's near zero, so close to zero, it's more likely you'll get hit by lightning. It's more likely that you'll have a shark attack harm your child. Living in Nebraska, it's just extremely <laughs> unlikely. And so again, I, I'm at a loss for what to say. And for the people, who, for a lot of time I'm preaching to the choir, I don't know who your listeners are, how many of them already agree with me, but the ones that do, ask yourself also, are you doing enough? Are you doing enough to get the word out? Think about all the babies and kids that you know, the schools that you live near. A lot of these kids may be harmed for life. They may not be able to have babies of their own, and a lot of them may die. What should you be doing? Maybe you need to organize some kind of effort to get the word out. Maybe you need to be demonstrating in the streets. Maybe our congressmen, their rings should be, their phones should be ringing off the hook. Their email inboxes should be full. I don't know what to say here. Yeah, I agree. And I could even ask of you watching, listening, or reading, 
give us five to seven seconds of your time and share this broadcast. Subscribe or share it with someone that may need to hear this information. That helps this story grow and it it helps people to hear and be more likely to hear. We've just become this in this we've come to a very strange place where the average person really does need to stand up and make a difference, doctor. We really need to stand up for what we know is right. We can't rest on our laurels or even the past success of our nation. We're really on the cusp and and people's lives truly are at stake for the sake of billionaires lining their pockets. Bill Gates says, hey, give me a billion dollars a year and I'll help curb the next pandemic. And can I just ask you this? Because <laughs> this is one thing that really gets me. You mentioned some of the leading minds in their field, and yet they post something or they have a an article and some kid fresh out of college that probably still lives with their parents is able to say, oh, this is false news. This is fake information. And you're thinking, this is where we've come to today. Who is really running the nation? Who's really in charge of our health? I have to say it needs to be us. It needs to be me. I need to be able to make that choice. I need to be able to go to my doctor. I need to be able to question him. And finally, love what you say about Research it yourself. Don't take our word for it. Go and research it yourself. That's the thing that I wanted to end on is the biggest concern is not just disinformation, the complete shutdown of information and the not allowing differing ideas to debate things out so that we have a good, healthy, all right, you say this, I say this. Okay, let's find out what the truth is and let that come rise to the top like cream. Absolutely. And I just got to, again, also point out on the topic of research, typing in a question into Google is not research, right? You got to really <laughs> do some work, right? You got to, again, make a real effort to break outside of your bubble online and go and find other voices that are intelligently speaking about the topic with the opposite viewpoint that you have. Don't just trust Google because Google is filtering your search results, everyone's search results to to basically try to weed out what they call misinformation, disinformation. And the definition is whatever the CDC says is the truth, the God-given truth for humanity. And that you're losing the point that science is never decided. Science is always in motion and we're always learning new things. So certainly, like I said before, the vaccine studies we've discovered now, all of them are garbage, the adult one included, but definitely the child, the children's vaccine studies, utter garbage. They just didn't enroll enough kids and they could have, they couldn't have enrolled as many as they wanted. There's plenty of parents who would have loved to jump at the opportunity to be in that trial. They purposely kept it to a number too small to determine like real clinical significance and statistical significance. But again, don't take my word for it. Go and look up Steve Kirsch, Robert Malone, Pierre Corey, Peter McCullough, and and Paul Merrick. Okay. These people have written reams of paper. They publish books now. Peter McCullough just came out with a book. Go order that on Amazon. I'm just telling you, when you're hearing it from enough people, you need to stop and just give it a moment and say, hey, I can spend a few days 
do a little research before I get my kid vaccinated. The, the number, just look at the facts, right? No kids have died from Omicron. Where's the emergency, right? Why, where's the need for an emergency use authorization vaccine? Something that has never, like a type of vaccine that's never been used before in human beings, it has no long-term safety data. You literally just don't know. Don't mindlessly trust what the FDA and the CDC are telling you. Again, I, I don't think they've always been lying for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but there have always been problems. And now there's something seriously wrong, something well, that we've never seen before. If not. And it's, I can't explain it, but there is something extremely wrong at the top levels of our government. As I said before, they're either asleep at the wheel or they're looking the other way. And I can't tell you why, but they certainly are. And so many smart people have pulled back the covers on this and exposed it. And it's so, it's just out in the open, especially with this trial in the children. There's nothing controversial about it. It's a garbage study. It's not science. Wake um, up and pay there's attention, no proof people. In that study that it works for kids. And you don't even have to prove that it doesn't work because it's just entirely unnecessary to begin with. So go and find out what are your real chances of being harmed <laughs> by COVID. It's, it's like minuscule, even for adults now, right? With Omicron, minuscule chances of any harm coming to you from COVID. Compare the amount of harm that you can expect from COVID for you and your kids to the risk of driving to the grocery store, to the risk of flying, right? To Hawaii, for example, to the risk of going on vacation, to the risk of swimming in the ocean. All those risks are orders of magnitude greater than COVID is for you and your baby. It makes no sense, right? You wouldn't think twice about driving to the grocery store to work every day. And yet that's more risky for you okay. getting COVID. You have um, to put it in so perspective. I, I don't know. Hopefully I've said enough <clears throat> to convince some people and the people who are already convinced, please do more. We have to do more. Yeah. We have to take health into our own hands. Um, we, I liken it to the response in crime. We can have a crime take place in our home. And how long does it take for the police to show up? And in, in some cases, what are they doing? It's difficult. And so people say, I really want to be able to protect myself and my family. If it means having better locks on your doors for others, it means the right to keep and bear arms. For some, it's taking better security measures. Sometimes it means taking some response, personal responsibility and not just handing it over to a technocrat that tells you how to think. And that's where I wanted to end. You have... There's an ebook that you offer on your mygotodoc.com that is an emergency antibiotic ebook. And I love that because we're coming to an end of antibiotics as we know it. Like other drugs or vaccines, they're overprescribed and overused. And there are things that we can do to protect ourselves, to be an informed public. And that's a lot of what you do with mygotodoc. Dot com. I thought maybe you could just take a moment and tell folks about that. Yeah, the best thing about it really is that it's a place to get free information. So there's two ebooks actually. One mm -hmm. is on COVID and all the kind of like over the counter things okay. you can do to prevent, treat COVID and also long COVID. And the long COVID section also applies to vaccine injuries, just right. supplements and diet and different things that you can Thank do. Thank you. There is something you. And then there's the emergency antibiotic ebook as well. And those are free to download. And then you can Thank also you. actually register as a patient in my practice for free. And you can get free medical answers from somebody who's actually treated 7,000 COVID patients at this point with effective protocols and zero deaths and treated hundreds, if not a thousand, long COVID and vaccine injured patients with great success. 
And, uh, and so I have expertise that other, you can go to medical answer websites, you know, like freeanswers.com or whatever, just get connected to some random physician to get a medical question answered. This is a, I think a more valuable service for people, especially if they're concerned about what's going on mm-hmm. uh, in the world today. So you can register for free and just ask questions to me and my staff and get responses. So I think that's the most important thing. Just educate yourself. If you do nothing else, get educated. With COVID, for example, there's such simple things that can prevent and treat like an active infection, like things like iodine, things like hydrogen peroxide diluted. The directions for diluting hydrogen peroxide are actually on most bottles of hydrogen peroxide already. There are directions for gargling with hydrogen peroxide, right? People have known this for decades. Your grandparents probably used it. It kills COVID on contact in your nose and mouth. If you use it at the first sign of a tickle in your throat, or you feel like a little under the weather, it'll usually knock out any infection before it even gets going. You won't even get sick. So just simple things like that. It's like knowledge is power. Get knowledge. Thank you so much. And you can get a link at mymichellelive.com. I have so enjoyed this conversation today. And I certainly hope that you will join me again, Dr. Hader, to fill us in on new information that may be coming out. Keep up the great work. And thank you for your courage and your voice in all of this and even the encouragement that you give to the rest of us. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. And, and please, everyone share this. Again, I think it's one of the most important things I've ever spoken about. In public. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And thank you. More Health Watch at MyMichelleLive.com.